So I had a million different gags I wanted to do. I had jokes written, I had bits planned, but we can't do any of that. We have to get right to the episode. This is too good to delay. It's Be Cool Scooby-Doo, episode one, Mystery 101. So let's not wait for any jokes or any funny bits. No time for laughs. Let's get into the episode. (laughs) (laughs) That was the joke. This is Scooby Dudes. A podcast where two best friends talk about their favorite meddling kids. And they're dumb dog too. Like you said, Luke. Um, he's Luke. I'm Evan. Uh, be cool, Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal show. One of the best Scooby Doo cartoons ever made. And we're we're really really excited to get into it. I know we've said it uh, several times leading up to this and in it, but this is the episode that started the podcast, as far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, really, this is the origin you're about to be listening to. I couldn't be more excited to present this. Cue the theme song. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. Be cool, Scooby-Doo. Yeah, can you just can you just be cool? Just once, jeez, please, be, be cool. cool. There are some moments in How I Met Your Mother that are funnier than the show itself. It's like a a box that's bigger on the inside than the outside. I still don't think that that show aged very well. And I have not dipped back into it, but I cannot imagine that it is as funny as it first was when I was watching it. I don't think it was as funny as it first was when it was happening. Granted, I saw the ending, so that kind of poisons the well retroactively. It really does, doesn't it? We should get off this topic as soon as we can so we can get on... Yeah, be cool Scooby-Doo. We've said this, I believe, a handful of times. Mm -hmm. Be cool Scooby-Doo is the... Do you hear those motorcycle sounds? I do, yeah. They're so loud. This is a residential street. That's crazy. It sounds like they're coming for you. It's a residential street with speed bumps. So, like, there's no reason this guy should be doing this. He's catching some sweet air. Nice. Uh, Be cool Scooby-Doo. I think you were about to say... What were you about to say? It's, It's the reason this podcast exists. Absolutely. Yeah, so let's give a little background. I love cartoons. I've watched cartoons for a long time, so if you, Evan, I had sampled this episode when this series started airing, and I was blown away by it, and immediately got on the phone with you, and we talked about it for a long time. You saw it, and what was your initial reaction? I was delighted by it. Be Cool Scooby-Doo is such a smart, painfully funny show. Mm. It just... A lot of... We like to talk about how a lot of older Scooby-Doo is funny but not like intentionally so yeah it's funny because of the <laughs> just like the sloppy animation and, and like the little quirks yeah. and like the things that characters say uh but be cool scooby-doo is very like co- like self-aware consciously funny show and it, it's trying to be a comedy more than anything else this is i think the flip side of mystery incorporated as a modern scooby-doo show it's not about the drama or the relation or the uh, at least the the romance or the the scary stuff or the big story it's all about the comedy I think that one thing that um, that a lot of people will have as far as their experience with Be Cool Scooby-Doo is similar to mine, possibly to yours, but similar to mine, mm. in that uh, we saw the the character designs oh, yeah. long before we actually ever saw the show ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's off-putting. Every time I've tried to sell someone on this show, they take one look at the characters and they say, this doesn't look like them to me. I don't want this. They're very uh, Seth MacFarlane-y. 
they're, they have like these very distinctly round eyes, and it almost looks a little Flash animated. Seth, Seth MacFarlane is responsible for like Family Guy, the Cleveland show, American Dad, Dad yep. and and their eyes do have that like the very large round quality, uh, and they are very stylized. They're not, I guess, like anatomically proportionate as you would expect like normal human beings. They're they're not way out of whack either, but it's just it's much more crisp. It's much more straight lines and clearly defined outlines than the old series. And some of the new versions of Scooby Doo try and harken back to that. This one not so much. Granted, it's all the same gang. There's no flim flam here. It's Fred, Daphne, Velma, Scooby, and Shaggy, just as it always should be. And it's also worth noting that the gang is essentially wearing their original getups with like very very uh, mi- minor tweaks. I couldn't even notice any minor tweaks. What what what's different this time uh, around? The, the minor tweaks would be that um, that both Velma and Daphne have short sleeves and not long. Mm, that's true. And that's pretty much it. Daphne still has the scarf. Uh, Fred still has the ascot. Um, they're all pretty much wearing the same thing. So it's not like these other modernizations. Uh, I'm looking at you, Shaggy and Scooby Doo. Get a clue. Uh, which have tried to uh, to play with. Uh, their their threads a little bit. Hmm. It's still pretty like true to form. Yeah, I feel like the ascot is the thing that's always played with. They f- try and find a way to incorporate that in without having Fred wear an actual ascot. Just to finish up that thought, um, as far as first impressions, uh, my own included, there's a there's a post that I shared on both our Facebook page and on our uh, Twitter page, hmm. uh, and it's from Tumblr, and it shows these um, eight different uh, screen grabs of Scooby Doo over the years. Uh, with the first one being like Scooby Doo, where are you? Nineteen sixty nine to nineteen seventy one, and then they wrote like little like captions like uh, the first one, oh like let's give parody and quality animation a whirl, and then like nineteen eighty eight to two thousand five, what if we put effort into this, and and so on and so forth, just sort of like the ups and downs of the franchise, and then we end with twenty fifteen, be cool Scooby Doo, let's see if we can make a show on a budget of three dollars, which, which is. is- it's 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 unfair. It's it's it is unfair. It's, in, it's exactly what it's I was inaccurate. Say. Yeah, no, I think it, it looks different, and that's why people react negatively to it. But give it a chance. That's if any of you are thinking of trying this out, I would, on my knees, beg you to give this a chance. It's so worth it. And also, watching this episode, it struck me that um, within the chase scene, and, and we'll obviously talk about that later, things really ramp up. Yeah, there's a lot of drama, and actually, the animation and the action is super good. It's really quality. Yeah, I would say it's of a very high quality. So, so just because the character designs are maybe a little more like simple than what you expect, it's, it's a, a terrible reason to to skip over this show. Absolutely, especially when just so much about this production is done with an incredible amount of effort. There's a ton of great callbacks to the classic stuff. Uh, they really acknowledge the the base that they're building on, and there's just so much effort in making it a funny, it's quick show. Um, let me see. Let's just give a little bit extra context. This is the 12th series in the Scooby-Doo franchise. As you said, it premiered in 2015. Uh, any other big differences that we should note at the start? Two last things I wanted to bring up, mm. one of which is that... Um, or I guess I can bring up a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, and then I want to this talk about a, the cast. But, uh, but There was this it. whole thing about it premiering on Cartoon Network and then on Boomerang. And obviously we've already mentioned this, I think, two times, that right now that they're like burning off the second season because they like oh. don't know what to do with it. Um, and Jonathan Colton Barry, I think is his name, I've interacted with a little bit on Twitter, and he's like one of the creators of the show, and he's been like crusading hard to just like get more people to watch it. And I'm going to do, when this episode comes out, I'm going to do my best as well on Twitter to just like watch this show, like check it out. Absolutely. The, the craziest thing about this show's airing for me is that it has not finished airing season one in America. 
but it's deep into season two everywhere else in the world. What the heck? And and in fact, season one in its entirety is on Canadian Netflix, which is how I watch it. Yeah, it's uh, it's insane because when we were going through this, you were telling me about season two episodes that I couldn't get a hold of, and I was like, what? Why can I not find this amazing stuff? So it's kind of wacky the way it's being aired and how it doesn't have the viewership it really deserves. I guess as a last bit of context, let's just talk about uh, let's just talk about the cast, the voice actors, and then let's leap into the episode. First things first, this is the first series of Scooby-Doo where Casey Kasem does not have a role. Um, Casey Kasem uh, died a year earlier than this and had kind of retired from voice acting a year or two before that. But we do have Matthew Lillard as Shaggy. He played Shaggy in the 2002 Scooby-Doo movie, uh, and he does a phenomenal job. He's incredible live action and, uh, and voice acting, and in Mystery Incorporated, we've mentioned it, he uh, is kind of past the torch from Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem plays Shaggy's father, and Matthew Lillard is introduced as Shaggy. This is also the first ever um, a Scooby-Doo show in which Velma is not voiced by Mindy Cohn. Yeah, um, Mindy Cohn was Velma from 2002 to 2015 when this airs, and she is replaced by... Kate Micucci. Uh, Kate Micucci, in... mm. you, uh, you may have seen her on Scrubs. The Gooch? Yeah, that was Kate Micucci. Yeah. And she was also one half of the comedy musical duo Hall and Oates. Yep. Most recently, I've seen her in The Little Hours, and I gotta say, she is an impeccable Velma. It's crazy. Like, this is a great... If, if I was fan casting for Velma, I couldn't do better than Kate Micucci. Which is to say that you didn't cast Kate Micucci. But that was off-limits. We agreed that was off-limits last week. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have. Like, I guess it's true. We, we said that no voice actors uh, as well were, were part of... Um... We're part of that. Uh, yeah. And you, and you do sort of, like, Frank Welker is still doing Scooby and Fred, which is great, because Frank Welker, hope he lives forever. <laughs> I hope so, too. Frank Welker is the last original member of the cast. He's always been Fred, and lately he's been Scooby-Doo pretty much since Don Messick um, unfortunately passed away. When he retires, it's going to be like Peter Furler leaving the Newsboys. He's the last original member. And I think that's a reference everyone will get. Yeah, definitely. Everyone knows the news boys. <laughs> I just think everyone knows Peter Furler. And and what I think is really interesting, um, to say it now, just so I don't have to say it later, I feel like Frank Welker mm. does Fred and Scooby slightly differently in this show. He does. But still, I agree. still really well. Like It's still very recognizably Fred, still very recognizably Scooby, um, but he just adds these little tweaks, which I think works for the show that yeah he plays it to the specific version of fred and scooby that we see in this show fred uh, and i love i'm tempted to say this is my favorite version of fred ever i don't think there's any reason for you not to say that except that i love mystery incorporated fred's uh, was... obsession with traps he loves traps <laughs> that's my same thought that's the only hesitation i have is that he was so good in that uh, one, of course, we got to round out the cast. Daphne's played by Gray DeLisle, or Gray DeLisle, apologies, um, or Gray Griffin, because um, in 2012 she met someone on Twitter and later got married to that person. I'm on. I'm on Twitter. You're on Twitter. So am I. <laughs> I think we could maybe marry Kate Micucci. I think she's still left, right? Or Matthew Lillard. I mean, I want to get that shaggy money. I know, I know he's still making bank off of 13 Ghosts. <laughs> I know those royalty checks are still rolling in. That's not 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, that's 13 Ghosts. T-H-I-R-1-3-E-N. <laughs> so dumb. Um, but all that to say, if, uh, like, go for your most attractive voice actor on Twitter, you never know what'll happen, apparently. 
Uh, Great Isle has a very extensive uh, voice oh, filmography. Yeah. She's done a lot of really great work. Yep. And, and in this particular episode of Scooby-Doo, we're going to see some work by Tom Kenny as well, who you might know best as SpongeBob SquarePants. He plays both the Dean and all fathers in this episode. Let me see. Any other background info, info we ought to give? I feel like I, we, they deserve the episode now. Uh, honestly, I think that's good. Here is a painstakingly detailed blow-by-blow -blow play of episode one of Be Cool Scooby-Doo, which I'd like to begin by Evan and I literally playing out the dialogue that first comes up. Uh, so who, who, who do you want to be? I, I kind of want to be the dad, but that doesn't leave you with a lot as the son. No, no, I'm, I'm more than happy to be the son. Okay, so we the episode opens up with a pan down onto the Kingston University grounds. We zoom in on a father and a son walking into this university. Uh, yeah, he's, he's basically just dropping his son off, which is kind of a... When... Kind of, kind of real here. When my dad uh, did that for me at Houghton, it was, uh, it was pretty emotional. Your father lived in a house like uh, not a few miles off of campus i could walk to my my family's house because <laughs> houghton is my hometown uh but granted that was just the first year after that yeah. i only had a ton of family friends all around yeah you're right you were kind of uh, you were kind of set adrift it's all to say that i had kind of a, a tear felt uh what's the opposite of reunion basically basically this exact same thing's happening the emotions are a little different from that uh, which my father and I shared. Yeah, because so this, let's uh, yeah, let's go into it. So the as they're walking up and they they stand before this statue of Elias Kingston himself, the founder of the university. The dad says, "Ah, Elias Kingston University, my alma mater and my father's before me. You, my son, are following a proud family tradition." Even though I don't want to go here, neither did I, nor my father before me. But we're Kingston material, so we do. That doesn't make sense. That's exactly what I said to my father. Wait. What? And I said that too. And he said exactly what I'm saying to you right now, word for word. How is that possible? That's what I said. And he said that. And that too. Then the ghost of Elias Kingston appears. Leave my university. Okay, that's new. And, that's, and then they run away. And from there we dive right in. This is almost like an SNL sketch that we're opening in on. It really, really sets the stage. Um, and, and just lets uh, new audiences know this is the kind of like smart, snappy dialogue that's going to pop up in the show, and it's great. Yeah, it works so... I, the thing that we're not going to be able to convey to you, dear listeners, on this episode is how impeccably timed the comedy is. So many of these gags really worked because they timed and acted them out so perfectly. You mentioned that the ghost of Elias Kingston is the one who shows up. Uh, he has like a, a peacoat? It's a peacoat, right? It's got like this little shawl smock thing over his shoulders and big buttons all the way. It's he he looks almost a little bit like the creep or the creeper that we've seen before. Yeah, but more uh, but with better posture. He has like shaggy hair as well, which is a, a point of comparison between yeah. the two. And he appears. Um, he materializes at the top of this tall tower on the the Kingston University grounds. As a bit of context, and and this is something that I really really liked um, about. Be cool, Scooby Doo, and I know that this didn't like occur to you right away, or or that I told you a lot about it. But in the introduction, which comes right after what we just uh, described, this this ghost shows up, and then you see a few other ghosts. Uh, one of which is the, the space kook, which is like an astronaut suit with a skull inside. Oh my gosh, you're right. And there, um, and these are all references to uh to like Scooby Doo, where are you episodes, and in fact. Uh, this episode, which is called Mystery 101, like 101, mm. like the class, 
uh, is actually a take on what the hex is going on, which is the season one, episode six of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And in fact, when you watch Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? The very first monster you see that tries to grab, you know, like the arm mm. comes out, that is this ghost. Oh, dang. That's so... Again, this has so much respect for the old material. Even though it looks different, it's it's built on a love for classic Scooby-Doo. And a quick question for you. One of the things we see in the intro is a giant spider. Is that really something from the past? I'm not sure about that. that might I think be, that's the one thing that's Yeah, new. just like a fun little... I mean, it, it provides like a fun little visual gag for the introduction. Um, yeah. But there is definitely a lot of respect for, uh, for the classic material and a lot of references. And and it's all either one, like, like, like strong respect for the source material and like homages and references and this like smart funny witty content either one would have won me over completely but the two together in the same show they didn't slouch on the writing on the animation on the heart of this show it's all quality I don't, i'm just i can't praise this show enough i guess velma is the first character who speaks and she's talking about how she she really needs to get into this college and they use the term college and university interchangeably mm. uh in canada that doesn't fly <laughs> like it doesn't work that way here yeah, here in America, we use college, university, and elementary interchangeably. It's all about the same quality. And, and she, you're right. She's saying she's gotten an interview at Elias Kingston University in 30 minutes, and she's pretty nervous for this. Uh, and she's nervous because she's been called in for an interview, and she's gone into every other uh, post-secondary educational institution she's, she's applied to, and this is the only one that said, we need to interview you first. Yeah, and we're getting this context not just from Velma monologuing, but from Daphne who pops up a puppet within the mystery machine. A, a puppet Daphne pops up in the mystery machine, manipulated by the real Daphne out of sight, and she's doing this back and forth with Velma, and when she says, she indicates that Velma got a Nobel Prize nomination for her SATs. And she's, uh, and Daphne keeps popping up these other puppets, like we see a Fred puppet, a Scooby puppet. At one point, we see three puppets at once. Uh, and I think she asks, like, how am I doing that? And then it pans to the interior of the mystery machine, and she's just lying flat on her back with all of her limbs up. Fred also shows up to explain why Daphne is doing this. He says that Daphne found a create-your-own-puppet store and decided to learn about herself by seeing herself in puppets. This is our first glimpse to, a, to, to the entire gang, like, right off the bat. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we, we see that Fred seems kind of, uh, seems pretty, like, no nonsensey, you know. He just kind of like I don't see what's logical about it when he's talking about explaining Daphne. Daphne's a little weird. Velma's a little neurotic. She has some anxiety. Uh, that anxiety mm -hmm. um, stems from the fact that she's worried her friends will ruin her interview. Uh, which is to say, like, don't bring them. Yeah, like, why are you bringing your friends to this college interview? I didn't do that with mine. Yeah. Can you imagine if I had gone to Penguin Canada and just been like, <laughs> hey? Is it cool if my friend sits in yeah, like, for emotional support? Theo's here. I brought Lucas. Luke is also on Skype. Let me just put him on the table. We're also recording this for the podcast. I'm just going to mic you guys. Is that yeah, cool? Yes, sorry. Hang on. We're going to do a quick intro. Uh, hey, this is two best friends talking about their favorite meddling kids. And here I am with, uh, here I am with uh, assistant editor at Penguin <laughs> Canada. Uh, so just as, um, just as Velma's talking about like the weirdness of her friends... Shaggy shows up in a fish costume, uh, Scoob in a mariachi band costume, and between them is a wedding cake. A giant and wedding cake. Shaggy's just like, I can't believe they were going to throw this away, and then they eat the wedding cake. Now, really, that wedding cake looked impeccable. There was nothing visually wrong with that wedding cake. Why were they going to throw it away? 
there was a dead stripper inside. <laughs> That's even better because they don't leave a, a single crumb at the end of it. <laughs> so it's it's classic Fred, it's classic Velma, it's a, a new kind of Daphne, and Scooby and Shaggy are cannibals. That's what we get from the start. <laughs> I also really like uh, that Fred kind of asks what the deal is, and Shaggy's like, like, I think that's pretty obvious, Fred. And Scooby's like, uh, duh. <laughs> Scooby has little dialogue, but he's hilarious in this. Uh, Scooby's very funny. Is. It is, I, I talked a little bit about how Frank Welker has tweaked his Scoob voice, mm. and one of those tweaks is that he doesn't say a lot of, like, R, he doesn't do all the R's. Mm. That's true. Like, rah, Raggy. He just, he just says it. In a dog-like voice. In a Scooby kind of voice. Yeah. Uh, which is, like, Frank Walker didn't have to do that, but he did. And I think it's really, mm. like, it's interesting and it works. Okay, so I, I want to get a couple more notes on this scene. Uh, for one thing, we see Daphne has a, an obsession that we've definitely never seen her with in a previous iteration. And we're going to see this throughout Be Cool Scooby-Doo. That Daphne kind of has a new thing every episode. She's a, got a lot of hobbies. And I love the direction they take Daphne with that. Simply that they don't make her... Uh, just ditzy or just clumsy. They they make her interesting. On that exact note, this is the perfect segue. Oh, one more thing. As she's holding up her puppets and they're commenting on the puppet, she holds up a Daphne puppet and she says, look, my puppet of me has a puppet of me. And that puppet... And my puppet of me has a puppet of me. And so on, and so on, and so on. And my puppet of me has a puppet of me. And there's a, there's fra a brief moment of fractal Daphne puppets. And then all of the puppets speak at the same time, which creates like this like echo effect. Like a feedback loop. And it's a throwaway joke. There's a million of these in this show. And I think what you were about to transition from is that she says... <laughs> like, look, I'm so good. I'm using all four of my limbs. Danger-prone Daphne, my foot. She uh, she jostles, I guess, the brake because they are on a hill. It's like a they're on like a very San Francisco-y street. Mm. Go listen to uh, it is, isn't our it? last recap episode. I left my neck in San Francisco. No, our last last recap episode. I left my neck in San yes. Francisco. It's great. And also, they they say danger-prone Daphne, my foot, which is a very classic Daphne callback. Because Daphne, at one point in Scooby-Doo, was danger-prone Daphne. She was really clumsy and was always tripping over and falling on stuff. The, the Mystery Machine is now uh, just careening down this hill. Uh, and, and Velma is like, Fred, like, I thought you Daphne-proofed the Mystery Machine. And he said that he did. He takes out his key fob, presses a button, and the, uh, and the van slowly just breaks and comes to a halt. There's a <laughs> no, it doesn't. That's what he should have done. <laughs> yeah, it is what he should have done. But instead, he's got each of these buttons does something different. And as this van is careening, like, clearly, like, at least 30 miles an hour downhill, he presses one button and has it swerve around a car, and it keeps going. And for some reason, he doesn't lose sight of it. Like, they're all jogging to keep up, and he manages to keep pressing buttons to do stuff, like make it pop hang glider wings. Yeah, a hang glider comes out, and it's, like, flying for for a little bit there. Like, over a baby, which is, like, looks up in awe at it as it flies overhead. And he, he, the last button he presses has it spin around and come to a breaking halt in a gas station. Uh, at the gas station, um, they meet uh, this kid named Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell tells them where Elias Kingston University is, which is, like, literally, like, right there. Yeah, it's right there. One other gag. I'm sorry I'm going to have to keep pulling the brakes for these, but they are hilarious to me. <laughs> Mitchell, the gas station attendant, says, Hello? Daphne pops up a Fred puppet in the window and says, Hello to you. I have a weird accent now. Ba -ba 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 -ba. <laughs> and then again, we're on it to the is, next It thing. is really, yeah. I, 
I'll concede that at least you're interrupting us for like these really hilarious moments. But then Mitchell does direct them. He's like, Kingston University is right over there, but like, be careful. Yeah, there's this. Go he basically sets up the premise of the episode, which is that there is a ghost and it's been scaring away all of the students. They, they, they come in and they've been leaving in droves. Yeah, he's kind of happy because all these snooty students running away with their tails in between their legs. So they do head up to the campus uh, and they start, Fred reads a plaque that is beneath a statue of Elias Kingston, who obviously is the founder of the university. Uh, did you write that down? I have it verbatim again. Yeah, do you want to just hit us with it? What makes a person Kingston material? If you have to ask, you're not Kingston material, unless, of course, you're asking rhetorically for a statue plaque quote like I did, in which case, we're good. Elias Kingston. Joe, uh, campus security, is a bush. He pops up. And he basically says that the reason he was hiding there were, was a... Uh, was he, he intends to surprise and capture the ghost and just grab the ghost uh, because of uh, tactics. Tactics. He loves the word tactics. He likes tactics and finger guns. Uh, and the gang's like, okay, cool. He drops back down as a bush, but he's not even remotely concealed. Yeah, it's this, it is this other funny gag where he's just like on all fours, kind of like crouched down on the ground and the bush is just covering like his back the surface yeah, of his like back a little turtle shell on his back um they they meet uh the dean longfellow dean longfellow what i really like about dean longfellow i'm not going to go in deep in depth uh, as far as like his appearance like i i'm not going to describe the security guard joe uh but what mm. i really like about dean longfellow's character design is that he's clearly wearing a toupee and they never comment on it like it's so obvious like he has sort of like you know like the gray patches at his temples and then like this mop of brown hair and it's obvious that that mop of brown hair is not from his own body like it's, it's someone else's that's uh that's interesting actually i didn't i didn't quite notice that i just thought it was kind of frazzled because he does look like a man who's at his wits end uh, and that's because he's losing all his students all all his current and prospective students to this uh this ghost scaring everyone off i don't want to go into too much detail here um but it it basically boils down to the dean saying Listen, if you can solve this mystery, Velma, you will have proved that you're Kingston material, and you will get in. Yeah. Like, that's all there is to it. The, the only thing I'd add to that is he was about to just extend Velma the invitation, but Daphne interjects and says, we're mystery solvers. And he's like, oh, you guys could solve a mystery. And Fred accepts it as a challenge. Like, if you solve this mystery, you're accepted in. Daphne and Fred... I think say more in this interview than Velma does. Yeah, they definitely do. <laughs> the only thing Velma really says is as Daphne's puppet, Daphne says it for her. Yeah, uh, and, and the Dean accepts that as, uh, as Miss Dinkley's uh, response. <laughs> the funniest thing for me is that he's kind of pleased with it. He's like, hmm, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> watch, watch this for yourselves. There is a funny gag with Scooby and Shaggy in the background, but I think you should just like, just watch it. I think that's a great way of putting it. I love this gag. I have it written out, but I'm not even going to describe it. Watch it for yourself. And from there, they leave the uh, they leave Dean Longfellow's office, and they're arguing about Velma's not happy that Fred accepted this mystery on her behalf. Uh, what happens is that uh, this ghost does show up, and it does scare them off. Yeah, it appears, again, first up high in the tower, and then when they're running away from it, it bamfs or teleports in a puff of smoke down onto the ground in front of them. Yeah, uh, they actually describe it, or Shaggy describes it as poofing, like that this ghost is poofing around, uh, which which Scooby like very vehemently like asserts is like a terrible, terrifying prospect. Yeah. He poofed out of the tower and re-poofed in front of us, and Scooby's right, he poofing. 
<laughs> Fred's like, it's okay, we're going back. And Scooby's like, but the poofing! It's, yeah, uh, Scooby is a dog of, of few words, but all of the words are very well chosen. So the, the gang does manage to flee him in time in a pleasing little action sequence, but they're getting back in there. Yeah, they, they were scared off, but very momentarily. They fully plan on, on heading back, solving this mystery. Fred parks in a mystery machine on the outside of one of the walls of this campus, and then presses his key fob, and the mystery machine, like, literally... To ghetto-fy the mystery I didn't machine. want to say that, and I'm only glad you did in that... So that it can have been said, but not from your lips. Imagine you're going to, uh... Imagine you're, like, camping outside, and you are, like, full of, like, warm mm. blood, and mosquitoes want to bite you, but you've also, like, set up a bug zapper light, and all the bugs are going to that instead. That's mm. what you are. In a That's lot me. of situations. <laughs> I'm your bug zapper. When, pe- when people think racist, some of them are like, huh, Evan said some stuff, but there's this I'm... bright, bright fluorescent blue light that just draws them away from me. I'm your sin eater. <laughs> I'm your racism eater. That's what I am. Uh, it, it, the, the mystery machine is does like transform into a junk car, but intentionally so. Like, the the windshield pops down and a cracked windshield yeah pops like up a, and like... a wheel gets sucked in and then like the is is it an axle or something what the wheel is on oh yeah pops back out and sets itself sets itself up on a cinder block yeah and the uh, yeah like the the side of the mystery sh- machine flips around and has graffiti all over it and it's pretty clever Fred says the best security is looking like you don't need any and right after he says that, a crow flies by, and then a crossbow sticks up out of the top of the mystery machine and shoots it. And Velma's like, and crossbows? Uh, and Fred's and like, Fred says, and, and crossbows. crossbows. And then, kind of like a heist movie, Velma lays out the uh, the blueprint for the Elias Kingston University grounds. Yeah, she explains that there are, uh, there are four entrances, three of them are closed during the summer. The one entrance is the one that they, uh, they drove out of uh, quite mm-hmm. recently. Uh, all of the walls have like these uh, wrought iron spikes on the top of them, and she describes like the architecture as well. It's a uh, mixed late Gothic and Jacobean. Man, you really took notes, man. Like I, I really took notes. You you should just like copy and paste what you've written to the Scooby Wikia. I think I wrote the Scooby Wikia now. Uh, basically, Daphne, excuse me, Velma does say this university is like a death trap of higher education, which scares Scooby and Shaggy. Yeah, Scooby, death trap. Shaggy, higher education? And uh, Velma says, look, the chances of us all dying or getting educated are really low. Probably at least one of us will survive. And look, I don't want to keep, like, recapping, like, all the dialogue verbatim. It's this, too good th- not We'll to. do this one. Over there is Daphne with a Velma puppet, and she uh, does, uh, only I will survive! <laughs> <laughs> and... Oh, from there, they sneak in. They peek around a corner. All of Daphne's puppets also peek around the corner, so even though one of her hands is around the corner. You, so she must have five limbs. You did take really extensive notes. I do want to f- skip slightly ahead to, uh, I think, what the last little bit of dialogue that I do want to do verbatim, which is that Fred says, like, we'll all split up. We'll all look for clues. Scooby and Shaggy, you go to the tower. At which point, did, did you write all this down? Shaggy protests. He's like, hey, why do we have to go to the tower? Here's what, let's be clear. This is what you're asking of us. And he pops open a slide projector and starts like clicking through. You're asking us to go through the tower to make this monster so it can kill us. And Fred's like, well, that's not quite what I'm saying. And it's like, it's like a slide of like, it's like all pencil crayon or like colored pencil. Uh, And it's like the monster like strangling Scooby and Shaggy. (laughs) 
My, my favorite was the next one, which is that before Fred can keep talking, Shaggy cuts him off, and as Scooby wheels out a miniature set of the entire university, like a... Which, again, is very much like a heist movie. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And he's like, wait, you mean you want us? And he holds up these little figures. He's got a figure to, for uh, each character and the monster. Uh, to, to bump into the monster... To, to like to get in there but when the monster kills us and then he has like the monster knock over the scooby and shaggy figurines and then he has the daphne figurine weep on fred's shoulder like what have we done what have we done uh and I, yeah and then i think it's scooby who's like why fred why <laughs> that's it that was it <laughs> and fred's like you could have gone and come back by now uh and then there's a third because you know comedy rule, rule of threes, threes. There's a yep. third one that never comes to fruition, which is that Shaggy, possibly Scooby, but Shaggy had hired five actors to play uh, the gang to reenact the situation. Yeah. So we see, he, we pan over to five Bizarro World uh, gang members with Scooby as a skinny guy in a dog costume, basically a furry. You went on the furry section of Craigslist for that. Yeah, that guy, that guy already had the costume. <laughs> you didn't need to provide him that. Can you oh, imagine man. how much funnier this would have been if it was actually a guy in, like, a furry-style costume? <laughs> like, full-size standing up rather than... It was almost worse because he was on all fours. <laughs> I don't oh, know which is worse. Oh, man. I, I... I... When I was going to school, during lunch, during our lunch conversations, I would bring up furries a lot. And I don't think I've done it that much in the podcast. Uh, probably for the betterment of our podcast. I think that's the one people it's always okay to kink shame, right? That's the only people that's like, it's fun and it's okay to kink shame them. Uh, maybe that's a mean thing to say. You know what? We're not, this is not a, this is not a podcast on kink shaming. Um, we don't need to go in depth on that. The, the show doesn't demand it. Uh, basically, Scooby and Shaggy do ultimately wind up going towards the tower. Everyone else goes towards the dean's office. It is locked, which look, that makes sense. People lock office doors. Um, mm. oh, right, directly to the right of the door, in the same way he was underneath the bushes, Joe, who was underneath a chair, and he's like, what are you guys trying to do? Fred says, well, you know, we're trying to get into the office, we're trying to find clues, tactics. And that, that's like the code word, that triggers him. If, uh, if Joe was a Russian sleeper cell agent, that would be his activation word, because he immediately is like, oh, tactics, I get that. He, like, gets out some keys and unlocks the door for him. Uh, it turns out that, um... All of these students have already paid their tuition, but then ran away. And so this looks to be like a scam. Like they're like trying to bring in students and taking their money, which you and I have both undertaken higher education. Yeah, we've both done this. I've even worked on the donation side of it. And I think we understand that it doesn't behoove a university to take first year students money and then let them leave and never come back. Like you want to rope them in to the full scheme, which is four years. Yeah, you give them a couple freebies to get them hooked, and then they need to come back for extra supply. Yeah, Although, I, it did sound to me like it was families donated to get their kids accepted, then they decided they no longer wanted to go there. That was my impression. But whatever the case, they do find a handwritten list of all these people whose families donated it, but who ultimately didn't go. And since the university would just keep the money, this is potentially some motive. I just want to bring it up to make sure. Uh, let me bring up the incredibly detailed Scooby Wiki uh, write-up. Oh, yeah, please do. The Scooby Wiki for this episode is insanely detailed. There is no way the script for this episode was more detailed than the write-up afterwards. 
Uh, so it says here deposits or donations. So I think it's up in the air as to what it a they actually were. Okay. I think it sounds like it's both, probably. I don't think... Do you... If you put... Look, a deposit... Deposits for schools cannot be that much money. These were like... No, these... Um, amounts were in the thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. This is supposed to be the best university in the world. Like, it's, they say that several times, it's the best university in the world. I, one other note on that, uh, sorry, this is totally tangential, but the statue of Elias Kingston we see has him with one foot upon the world, and the world is severely has cracked. Has in it, it looks correct. Like, it's a, a post-apocalyptic world. This is an Adventure Time Earth. <laughs> and I, my impression is that he is crushing the world. That's a really subtle joke. Especially because Dean Longfellow says that uh, Elias Kingston himself was. Give me a moment. It's that line about the about he hated he hated young people. Oh yeah, pretty much. Yeah, basically Elias Dean Longfellow is saying how they've lowered their standards for the students they're letting in, and that's probably what made Elias Kingston so angry to come back from the grave to scare off these subpar students. Elias Kingston, after all, was a greedy, vindictive, ruthless monster who believed children were our future. And that is actually a very, very good point. Um, I'm really glad you brought that up because it establishes that this ghost, if it was real, does have motive. Yeah, I think that's a big thing that we should see in this. In general, Be Cool Scooby-Doo does not miss tropes. Like, it hits pretty much everything we could ask for. Scooby and Shaggy, um, they are in the tower and they're climbing up and they're just kind of like, why do we have to do this? They notice that the bottom, they climb up all of these stairs and they notice that the bottom of the door, the trap door or whatever that leads up into the bell tower. Yeah, just like the last thing they pass through to get to the top of the tower. Uh, it's been completely boarded up. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, well, in that case, let's just, they had been bemoaning how they never have to search a cafeteria. But since the tower is inaccessible, they're like, well, let's go search the cafeteria. Yeah, we've got to. It's our only other option. So they definitely do. They go over to the cafeteria. And apparently the cafeteria at Elias Kingston University is just vending machines. Literally just like they, they're walking up and this like bright light shines on them. Uh, so you can't see what they're looking at. You can just kind of see their expressions. Yeah. But then the camera pans and they're just, like you said just vending machines and, and now granted these are fancy as all get out vending machines there's like cakes and pies and meats and fancy dishes normally the stuff we would see on a long banquet table but again vending machines all lining the walls and oh, okay obviously you also really like this let's let's just uh paint this, this picture this is one scene that we're gonna paint it but honestly i would recommend that everyone pause the podcast here Go watch this scene because the comedic timing seals it better than we could ever communicate. I actually fully agree with that. Please watch this episode. I'm giving you a chance right now. Just pause it. Go watch the episode. Come back and listen because we're we're basically going to recap this for our own sakes because we like it so much. I need to talk to like per, on a personal if we didn't have a podcast, I need to talk to you about this scene. Uh, and basically, yeah, like Shaggy tries to put some money into a vending machine and get like a side. He puts in a single coin. Oh, yeah. Like, well, clink, it's one coin. That must be a... And then all of a sudden, uh, a Christmas ham starts to descend. Like, a full hmm. Christmas ham. But it gets stuck, as happens with vending machines. So Shag is like, oh, man, it's stuck. But here, gets his arm in the vending machine, like, tries to loosen it up. And we cut from him with his arm in the vending machine to him in the vending machine. It's just, like, an, an instant quick cut. But but then there's this wonderful, like, ding! Ding! Oh, yeah, it, it happens at the ding. And then Scooby's like, oh, I'm going to help my friend. Scooby starts to reach his hand up. And then we get the same, the same audio cue. Ding! And he's, uh, and he's also in the vending machine. Yeah, and they're like, well, actually, this is okay. There's a lot of food in here. 
And then the ghost of Elias Kingston shows up, and they're like, this is great. We're actually safe. Yeah, he can't get us. So the ghost is like, oh, I should have said this. The ghost of Elias Kingston does not speak. He does the classic Scooby Mm. monster noises. They know what they're Uh, doing here with that. So he he starts to reach his hand up inside. (laughs) And it shouldn't, like, it shouldn't be funny. Like, you know exactly what to expect, but it still lands perfectly. When when the ding hits, and then we just see all three of them mashed in there together. (laughs) Maybe the funniest part is the immediately following interaction where Scooby is, where Shaggy's like, Quick, Scoob, run. run! And they slowly turn, their faces wiping against the glass. Yeah, and you hear that, like, skin like, on rear, glass. Rear. like, And they move their faces away from the monster. But they're all... And then start to, like, hop the vending machine. They're all still in it. Yeah, it's just, like, these slow, tiny little hops. Because it's a vending machine. It only moves, like, an inch. And then another inch. And then they're like, faster, Scoob! And they're like, <laughs> they're, like, <laughs> they're, like bunny hopping. And the, the vending machine falls over and crashes and explodes, and then they're running away. They all come out. Um, it's hilarious. In the in the Longfellow's office, they had spotted a piece of paper with some numbers on it, with decimal points in it. Mm. And uh, and, uh, and Velma recognizes it immediately. She knew what it was. They they go to the um to the library. She knows that this piece of paper is uh, the Dewey Decimal System. Yeah, she has kind of a so limitless it's... scene where all the Dewey Decimal numbers <laughs> float around her head. For yeah, a it's moment. very like sure. Yeah, do um limitless Sherlock kind of like. Oh she's yeah. She's like one of those type characters. I was gonna say the Mentalist, but I don't think that's. She's right. a savant. She's a Dewey Decimal savant. And so she knows exactly, she finds what book this is. She just spots it with her eye. Normally, Dewey Decimal takes a little bit. You have to go to a, a card. Whatever the case, she spots the book, and it's very high up on the stacks. So Fred, they're warning Fred because they have those, you know, in Beauty and the Beast, the ladder that Belle, like, uh, rides down the length of bookshelf. Yeah, it's a, uh, oh, man, what is the term for this? Is there an, an exact term? I looked it up. It's a, it's a rolling library ladder. That's if you wanted wow. to buy one, it's a rolling if library wanted, ladder, which is yeah, exactly what you think very, you need. That's some very technical technical jargon. <laughs> Hang on, Evan, let me look this up. There's a word for this. Oh, there's three words, all of them. Adjectives. Thank you yeah. so much. Rolling library ladder. Uh, they warn Fred, like Fred, this is a high ladder, so watch out. You you want to be safe. Mm. Fred tells them, don't worry, I'm not afraid of heights, I'm afraid of widths. And let me tell you, what a horrible way to find out. That Fred is into fat shaming. <laughs> like, excuse you, Fred. It's it's fine. You can have your personal preferences, but to say you're afraid, unacceptable. He's scared of them. <laughs> and but hey, at least he's not one of those guys that won't date a girl that's taller than him. He has no problem with that. He doesn't need to have height up on it. He just needs them to be a beanpole. There's. There's not look. We'll get to the context of that statement later, but that's what I thought when I watched this episode for the fourth time. It seems like a needless setup, but there's a payoff. For the moment, it just means that Fred can climb to the top of this very tall ladder, grab the book, and in that moment, Scooby and Shaggy run in because again, they're fleeing the ghost. As far as our tropes so far, they have split up and looked for clues. Scooby and Shaggy have eaten a fair amount of food because they were mm-hmm. in the vending machine and they were eating the food in there. Um, and now we have a musical chase yep. scene which is sort of like a requisite for Scooby episodes. Yeah. I was just going to say, anyone who says this show is low budget or the animation is not of quality needs to watch the, this chase scene because it's so dynamic, so cinematic. It's 
kind of thrilling. I actually also wrote in my notes that this was a very cinematic scene. Yeah. Um, at one point, the rolling library ladder, as as they as they call it in the industry. Yeah, if you're in, on the in in the know, is like grinding like a skateboard atop bookshelves. And it's, like, coming at the yeah. camera, and it's, like, wobbling, and it's, like, sparking, and, like, I think it's Fred and uh, Daphne mm-hmm. who are on it. And, yeah, it's it, it's so... Cinematic is really the best word I can use to describe it. It's multi-track drifting. And it, there's so many other great choreographed stunts with this uh, with this ladder, and just in, with everyone else who's running around getting chased by this ghost. Yeah, the I don't... Sh- yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to go in-depth in-depth... Yeah. Um, just as far as like what happens in the scene, one note I did want to make, and I was going to say it earlier, um, is that on the Scooby Wiki, uh, they talk about the songs that are played, and so this song is called Romp 101, which it's it's an instrumental. There are no lyrics. No lyrics. Yep. What I think is really really fascinating is that apparently Romp 101 is credited to three people: uh, John Col- John Colton Berry, who I described already, Greg Camp, and Zach Moncrief who I believe is, like, the producer to this show. Yeah, he is. In fact, I read a quote on Zach Moncrief kind of telling about how he wanted this to be a comedic show and all that stuff. That's interesting. But are they, like, are they musicians? Like, why are they credited on this song? You'd think that this was just a song that, like, someone, like, put together, that person being uh, Jake Monaco. Yeah, you'd think this is just, he's the, the music, he is the music studio of, of this division, and then he just put it together, but the producer had a hand in it. Yeah, so it's weird that they have, like, cre- like I don't think credits are necessary. Like, I don't know why these guys are on here. Maybe that yeah. was a mistake. I'm not sure. Um, Whatever the case, it ends with the classic uh, library stacks falling over like dominoes. Right at the tail end of that, the ghost is trapped by, like, the final shelf falling. We might have thought that'd be the end. Yeah, when we zoom out and then zoom back in, it's just, like, it's no longer just shelves falling, like you said, like dominoes. It is just, like, a mess of books and then a hand, like... Uh, bursts out of the books. Yeah, like from a grave. And then it's like, oh, I guess he's not actually caught. Uh, the gang runs away. They uh, they reconvene or they hide in a closet. That's where we kind of have our, our rising from the ashes moment for the gang because up to this point, there's been a lot of friction. There's a lot of disappointment going on right now. Um, Velma is clearly disappointed that her application to the school is not going as smoothly as planned. There are a lot of hiccups. Uh, Shaggy is being sent places he doesn't want to go. Fred, they're not closer to solving the mystery, which really affects Fred mm-hmm. because he considers himself good at solving mysteries. He, uh, that, that's his goal. He's not even like sad. He's just like, oh, we still haven't done this thing I want to do. Daphne's puppet is missing an eye. And that's, that's really uh, got her down. I, my me puppet is missing a button. And then Scooby goes, I hate a button. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, and, they, and then the gang starts fighting because, again, Velma's angry at Fred and the gang for ruining her application. Fred wants to solve the mystery. Shaggy feels like he's been put in danger unnecessarily. And Daphne comes to the rescue here, which is, I, I love what they do with Daphne in this it's, series. It's really great. I thought, I thought that some of the writing for, like, the reason, they all had good motivations for being upset. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe they weren't voiced very well. But the way they're resolved is magical. Yeah. In which um, Daphne places different character puppets on different character hands and gets them to speak through these puppets. Yes. Uh, as Velma, or with the Velma puppet, Fred says, I trust books more than I trust my friends. Uh, Shaggy as Fred says, I put my friends in danger for mysteries. And Velma says as Shaggy, I'm Shaggy and I'm two years old. Wah, wah, wah. I like food. And uh, it starts to turn a little bit when Scooby as Daphne says, I'm handing out puppets. 
And Daphne is Daphne as <laughs> Scooby Doo says, "I'm sweet and loyal and the best friend in the world." And then they all start saying, "No, I'm the best friend." No, I'm Spartacus. No, I am Zorro. Uh, it's it's wonderful. It's a, they they reconcile, and, and it's nice to see them, um, standing up for one another and and complimenting one another one another and just like looking and, f- and they feel like friends. Yeah, and it it justifies Scooby. This is still a Scooby Doo show, even though he has fewer lines than most other series we've seen because it's the fact that no one can question that Scooby-Doo is a sweet and loyal and best friend in the world and that kind of makes them all put themselves in each other's shoes he, hey. he really is like the glue that like holds them all together yeah um at which point once once they've sort of like patched up they're like okay well what's our game plan here yeah well they let's review the clues uh, the tower was sealed so how did the ghost get up there uh number two the list of names in the dean's office were possibly motive and three, they've got this book from the library that we still haven't looked at. Uh, it's something about optics and lasers? Science of laser optics, and that gives Fred a revelation. We gotta get back to the tower. So, um, the tower is separated from sort of like the main large campus building by a, by a, by a roof uh, that's a little bit lower. And it's, it's a peaked roof with, um, mm-hmm. not shingles. What are they? Isn't it shingles? Are they I shingles, think it's shingles still? I think you got it right. Yeah, but, but they're like... Um, tile shingles yeah yeah they're like ceramic ceramic yeah they're like ceramic tile curved shingles yeah they're not like like a uh, little like crappy asphalty sort of like black shingles that you'd see on like most roofs well yeah i mean in the industry they're called uh roof tiles that's the technical term <laughs> i'm kidding and so yeah fred steps out he looks over either edge and he doesn't mind the heights he looks down he's like Psh, whatever he has been um he has a rope about his waist and it's been tied to like an old water heater mm. on the interior so there's a window he's gonna cross over to get to the uh to get to the tower yeah and and as he's walking he looks down either side and he's like whatever it's super high up it's a dangerous fall what do i care but then he looks at the width of his lane <laughs> he's and then is it is it velma who who says oh, he's, he's scared, scared of widths <laughs> it's a... oh that it was it was a clear setup and follow through but it worked for me and, uh, and Fred does, he tries to go through, but he, he slips and he falls down. This is another one of those action scenes. I don't want to go into too much detail on. We can't. We can't describe it there, adequately. There's a lot. Um, the, uh, the ghost of Elias Kingston shows up. He unties the rope. And then there's a lot of people falling and people like pulling each other up and people saving each other using this rope as a, as a device that like swings them back and forth, sometimes yeah. like a pendulum, sometimes like a pulley. It, it all boils down a little bit to uh, Daphne being the one who's hanging from a rope with both hands, one of the hands of which is wearing her the puppet of her. Yeah, with the missing button in the eye. All, the rest of the gang is trying to hold her up. They're all on the roof now. And again, Daphne's she can't quite get up with this puppet on her hand. She, she looks at the puppet because it's slipping. It's causing her to slip down the rope. And the puppet speaks to her. Mm. Like, like we, we had a good time together. It's time we made the ultimate sacrifice. And S- Scooby up top says, A sacrifice? <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't, sorry, he doesn't actually say that. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just dropping a, dropping a sick reference to, uh, to an episode we haven't quite done yet. Or a, a... Oh, yeah, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, we see this very emotional scene as Daphne lets her own puppet like off her hand and we see it slow-mo fall through the rain accompanied by operatic uh music yeah 
the choral music and then yeah you see the slow motion raindrops and it's like you see it from the perspective of the puppet where like daphne's like no yeah we see daphne as the puppet falls away we see the puppet falling away from daphne and then it just kind of like falls limp and and harmlessly into this bush but like, <laughs> uh and then daphne climbs back up next is a moment that i found incredibly refreshing and which i think really absolves you and i for a lot of the uh not criticisms but um observations that we've made over the years oh which is that um the ghost appears in the bell tower and the ghost is coming at them uh on the roof and they're like oh so we now have two, two ghosts. ghosts and fred is like okay that's not a ghost or it's not real he he takes a, a, a roof uh shingle and tosses it at the bell tower and it shatters something and this is like a hologram of some sort or like or yeah like a reflection of the ghost or of some kind which of course means that like this ghost uh can't be real at which point shaggy's like oh good we're we're just trapped up here with like a psychotic person <laughs> i've forgotten that and That's... it's just it's such a direct acknowledgement of the fact that like just because this isn't like a supernatural en- entity doesn't mean we're not still in danger this Mortal guy tried danger. to murder us by like throwing yeah. us off this roof any of us could have fallen and died easily and this ghost is really pushing everyone off the edge too so that's like super meta and i really liked shaggy being for once the voice of reason and it wraps pretty quickly from there daphne again climbs back up on the rope she's on one side with the rope and the rest of the gang is on the other and they unintentionally use it to trip up the ghost and what happens is this rope it wraps around the ghost and Uh. he's plummeting and it uh it affixes itself around his neck and he yeah. uh you and get Tarzan that scene. says no stop stop doing that no don't cut it Clayton no where uh it, he just like you 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 see him fall but it's like the reflection you know like we, through like the lightning you see yeah. his shadow like jerk we don't see as we don't falls. <laughs> we don't see his body we just see his uh his shadow of his limp body as Scooby looks on in horror yeah the, his silhouette you see you see sort of like his feet like twitch violently <laughs> one last time as he soils himself one last time oh, that's not what man. happens that's I, the second time we've referenced clayton's death in tarzan i've already episode, put it in the show notes in like a previous episode <laughs> but it's so deserved again here because he is falling and the ropes like wrap around his body the ghost i mean and then it like comes to a jerking stop uh but really it just wraps itself around like his torso like he's tied up um, the gang hmm. makes their way down very quickly. And, some, and the next time we see the ghost, he's just standing with his torso lightly tied up. But the tree that the ghost is near turns around, and it's Joe executing some next-level tactics. Yeah. Um, a, a little bit of a backup. We have the Dean, and we have the gang, and we have the unmasking. They do all that. Do they go through the clues first? It, yeah, it's, it's, no, they it's don't. the ghost first, um, which is Mitchell from the gas station, who told them about whatever the first character that yeah. we meet um then joe turns around and says all right let me let me take this kid away like we, we got him hey not so fast joe you're in on this too uh and it turns out and, and the dean uh helps fill in some of the some of the blanks in which he says that like oh this is mitchell joe's son yeah these two are related gas station attendant uh son of head of security and basically what they did was they tried to frame Dean Longfellow by making it look like he had motive uh, for this ghost. Uh, I.e., they wrote the donation list that was in his office. 
the the way we know that and here's one of my favorite things about be cool scooby-doo is that they put clues in that you could conceivably pick up as the episode goes on you'd have to be paying a lot of attention but they do put clues in that could be picked up on mitchell was really bitter about not being considered kingston material uh so what he wanted to do was keep scaring students away until it got to the point where they had to accept him Exactly that. And the, the thing is, sorry, go ahead. the dean was not willing to uh, lower the standards of his university that much. And M Mitchell's dad, Joe, wasn't happy about that. He mentions at one point he's been an employee for 15 years and still his son can't get in. So he was the man on the inside looking to help with this. And, uh, and again, I, I got a little bit out of order. They tried to frame the dean for this by writing this donation list. The way we know it was them is because the dean is right-handed, but the list clearly had a left-handed slant to it. Yeah, you see it because I think, like, does the dean... Do, you see the dean writing something. And we also see Joe opening a door with some keys. Yeah, he uses his left hand to take his keys and, uh, and unlock the door. Yeah. And that's how we know that uh, writing the person writing this list could not have possibly been the dean. Uh, the, the writing slants in the wrong direction. And, uh, and of course, they uh, use this optical lens science book to figure out how to project the ghost up into the tower so that no one could actually find him because, again, the tower was boarded up. Uh, that, pretty much, that pretty much wraps up this episode. There's one final gag, and it's not, it's not specifically many, many other iterations of Scooby-Doo always end with a Scooby gag because he, his name is the name on, on the show. Like, it's always him doing something goofy or weird. Remind the people what they're watching. What was the line prior to what the Dean says, specifically? I think what you're leading up to is that Velma decides not to go to Kingston. Uh, she says she wants to stay with her friends. That's where she belongs. She has, she has a lot to learn still. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and life experience will kind of fill in those gaps. Yeah, like you said, I want to spend time with my friends. And the Dean says, oh, I wish I had some friends. <laughs> I think, what does Scooby say? He's just like, that's... He says, I think he says awkward, awkward. or oh, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. And then, and then they walk away, leaving the Dean alone. They, they back up slowly off screen <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. I'm uncomfortable. That, that's such a, an appropriate ending for this episode, that kind of subtle, awkward comedy. And it's also just like the Dean just stands there looking dejected. He's staring at the ground and they just like, like not moonwalk, but they just like slowly back up off screen. And that is the end of the episode. That's the last thing we see. It's great. Um, I, I, did I, I said this at the top already, right? That like, I, or did I? I don't know until you tell me. <laughs> what? That I didn't really want to watch this. Luke, Luke and I, um, we, we've already scheduled out what we're going to be covering this month for the rest mm -hmm. of our recording sessions. And I thought that we had, this is to our listeners. Yeah. Um, I thought that this had been, I thought that we were going to be doing a pup named Scooby-Doo. And I was looking forward to it because I've seen this episode a number of times already. And a part of me thought, oh, it, it won't be that good. You've already seen it so many times. You know, like you watch something, it's like you listen to a song too many times. Yeah. Or like you've saw your favorite show as a kid, you return to it and you're like, oh, this is no good. I was just a kid. But no, this... Granted, we didn't see this that long ago, but it holds up. This episode is so solid. It's so good. I was afraid that I had overhyped this for myself mentally, just like it being so new and so fresh and returning to it wouldn't be funny. It was funnier this time than the first time I saw it. Luke, uh, again, to our listeners, Luke and I have put off covering Be Cool Scooby-Doo because we love it so much. We didn't want it to be even within the first 10 episodes because we would not have been like sufficiently warmed up and like podcast capable to cover it well. 
even as it is, I feel like I we can't possibly cover it sufficiently. This episode needs to be watched. And the best we can do is just <laughs> quote as much of it as we can, as much as we have time for. It's that good. I, I do also want to say for our listeners, if you liked this episode, if you uh, if you're interested in Be Cool Scooby Doo, this is one of those few moments where I want to direct you over to one of our uh, another one of the podcasts in the Scooby Doo podcast family. Because I do consider us all like peers and like I do interact with them on Twitter, all of these other podcasts. Um, the podcast called a podcast named Scooby Doo. Um, and two months ago, uh, in June of this year, uh, that podcast had uh, an, an interview with John Colton Berry in which he was able to uh, because he, he wrote um, he wrote the po- he wrote this mm. pilot um, and they're able to get commentary on the episode with John Colton Berry. And so definitely give that a listen. I'm going to put that in the show notes. I'm going to give it a listen. That is insane. Um, I don't know if it's good, but I can't see how it could how it could not be because it's yeah. It's uh it's an interview with someone who made this. Yeah. This is the man who wrote the episode. So, so check that out. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. And for my part, most of these we watch and we tell you we encourage you to go back and see the episodes that have aired so many years ago. But for this series, this is actively airing right now, and more than anything else we've done, this needs and deserves your love in order to keep going. If, if it's on Netflix, if you're in Canada, if it's on Netflix, if you're in America, I'm sure there are other channels. I think Boomerang, that's where you can watch it if you're in the States. Mm. Uh, check, check it out on, on Boomerang. And I don't know, like, talk about it. Be Cool Scooby-Doo is excellent. Talk about it, tweet about it, watch it, and then once you've found that you love it, because you will... Go give it some love wherever you can because this is an incredible show. And once you see it, you're going to be like, everyone needs to see this. And uh, I'm glad we waited to talk about this until we'd have a little bit of time under our belt. Otherwise, it'd be hard to talk about anything else. And let me just say, and this is a surprise to me, we managed to cover this episode in a little over an hour. We had to breeze past a good amount of stuff, but I feel like we did hit all the highlights. This is one of our shortest recording times lately, too. Uh, as long as long as we keep our outro in like the five minute range no this means we have 30 minutes of time for the outro that's our we can do that now oh man i don't know what when it happened when it happened that our outros got so unwieldy i don't know i feel like it's we just kept remembering like oh we need a shout out to itunes oh we need to tell them about this thing oh we need to tell them about that thing oh i need to be stupid for five minutes straight and then we can end the outro I, I also think one of the reasons this episode was so short, I don't know how it will come out once it's edited, but is that we didn't have time for bits. Like, I felt like anything I joked about would only be way less funny than the actual material we're, we're riffing on. What was the other? I feel like I made one joke. It wasn't the Tarzan one. There was, oh, it was about Fred fat shaming people. <laughs> yeah, that was a good take on his fear of widths. Not even his lack of attraction to widths, his fear of them. Yeah, pretty reprehensible, Fred. It's 2017. Yeah. Well, let's get big picture stuff about this show, maybe reiterate its context, stuff that we can expect for future Be Cool episodes. I, I will say to our, to our listeners, um, we're not going to be doing this show consecutively like we're doing with 13 Ghosts, like we're doing with Mystery Inc. Um, we're just going to be hopping around. But really, I don't think, at least in the first season, I don't think there's a bad episode. Me neither, no. One of my favorite episodes of Scooby-Doo ever is the Christmas episode of Be Cool Scooby-Doo which I hope we do sometime. But every episode of Be Cool Scooby-Doo is a winner. I don't know if any of them are quite up to the quality of this one, but that's just because this is so insane. None of them are bad. They're all good. Go watch them all. I, myself, have been saving them like like candy from Halloween. I've been portioning them out for myself because I don't want to waste them all. 
yeah, I all all I can really say is, if you love Scooby Doo at all, and if you if you believe that Luke and I have decent opinions about things, we've got taste. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you like our taste, if you like the cut of our collective jibs, uh, then or collective jib, I guess. Then or jib. Do watch this. I I mean I I don't really know what else to say. I think that Be Cool Scooby Doo is an excellent show. I think everybody should watch it. How do you feel like Scooby-Doo and Shaggy fit into this? Is this pretty much their typical role? Sco- Scooby and Shaggy are always the they're always the comic relief. That that more or less goes without saying. And they're the voice of caution. They try and make they demonstrate that stuff is scary by being scared of it. Similar in part to to Flim Flam uh, and um, and Scrappy sort of uh, having to vie for the limelight in Thirteen Ghosts. Um, I do find it really interesting that mm-hmm. Daphne serves such a strong comedic presence. She's the strongest, in my opinion. Yeah. She's Daphne is the funniest part of this show. Super funny. Uh, and as a result, I think it may be slightly, not not in like a heavily detrimental way, but I think that it slightly weakens Scooby and Shaggy's presence. I think you're because right. Because they're no longer yet like like the source of the majority of the laughs. They're, they're sharing the burden. They haven't distilled all the comedy into, or relegated it all to those two. But... What they did with Daphne is, when I initially started talking to you about this off, before the podcast, it was my favorite thing about this ep- the show, is that they made Daphne interesting and... Oh. It's so refreshing. It's so refreshing. to and, and the same thing, whenever I tell anyone about Be Cool Scooby-Doo, I tell them that it has the most interesting, entertaining Daphne of any other iteration. She has the most depth of any Daphne I've ever seen. Uh, Velma, I think this is a more neurotic Velma than we typically see, but that's what you'd expect with Kate Micucci doing the voice. Yeah, and I do think that it's not out of character for Velma to maybe, like, worry a little bit more. I guess she lacks, yeah, she lacks some of that confidence. Well, she, de- she doesn't have that sass that, every, that she always used to have. Mystery Inc. Velma is just, like, a sass monster. She's more sassy than smart in Mystery Inc. Here, she's more smart than sassy. And she kind of has, like, a dry commentary on what goes on. I, I I think all the characters are are, are wonderful. Um, and again, like you'll get to find out more about Fred. Like Fred really loves uh, his mystery machine. That is one consistent thing. I, I think almost everything we love about Fred is true here, and there's more. So we're we're excited to we're excited to get back to this. Um, we won't be hitting it for a little bit just because you know we like to keep a good like rotation. We like to to hit a lot of different yeah, shows. We'll keep it fresh. Um, if you want to, if you want to get ahead of us, keep watching this show. Watch it and then listen to us when we cover it. Really, like in in a large part, this show is for us, for 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 you and I, Luke. But really, this show is also for our listeners. Yeah. If you want us to do more, be cool. Just let us know. Just let us know on Twitter. Just let us know on Facebook. Just send us an email, and we we take all feedback into account, even if we disregard some of that feedback. Absolutely, but tell us. Heck, any episode you really want to see us cover, let us know. I think we've got a couple shouts for Zombie Island, and now that is definitely on the docket. I, I want this to be the last thing, just because I, th- I think that we've kept this so tight, and I do want to just keep this this recording down, is that they don't do a Scooby-Doop in this episode. You're right. They never put the, put the wool over the monster's head at any point. Yeah, over the monster's there, entire head. That's that's the expression. Yeah, or, excuse me, over his head and shoulders, knees and toes. Man, they they sure they sure bamboozled me. He really pulled the wool over my head. Oh no, hang on. The specific industry term is the wool was placed upon my <laughs> to obscure my vision. The Scooby Doop 
Oh, of course. The For those of you who aren't aware. I've forgotten, Evan. What is the Scooby-Doo? It's, it's when, it's typically Scooby and Shaggy. They create a scenario in which the, the social pressures are so great that the monster has no choice but to comply with them and become a part of the scenario that they've done. Uh, would you like to uh, present an example, an example? From, from this episode, maybe? An example would be if the monster chased them into a classroom and Scooby and Shaggy were in the classroom. One of them is the professor using the chalkboard and the other one is a student diligently taking notes. And, and the monster comes in and the professor, whichever one of them it is, says, uh, you're late. I th- and, and makes comments about the monster being Kingston material. And like when the monster tries to like, he's like, ah, ah, no excuses. Go you sit know in that- the corner. Go sit in the corner with the dunce cap. You know our rules. Yeah. And that's that's a Scooby Doop, and yeah. I love the Scooby Doop so much. The Scooby Doop is one of my favorite things about Scooby Doo, and the Scooby Doop is absent in this episode. I think there's something that's adjacent to the Scooby Doop, but is definitely distinct from it. When the monster joins them in the vending machine, there is a gag that they all go in on that makes the monster do something very human, but they don't use it to get away from the monster, nor is it intentional or meta on Scooby and Shaggy's part. Yeah, so I do think that that is really funny. That is, and that doesn't ruin the episode for me at all. No, me neither. I do still wish it was in there, but it doesn't. It does not detract from the episode by any means. They hit too many other points for us to really complain about it. And again, that's the musical chase scene, splitting up and looking for clues. Scooby and Shaggy love food. Uh, let me see anything else. Uh, there's no corridors. No. Um, uh, again, they don't say uh, metal and kids, but at this point, like, well, they do say metal and a... kids. I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for. Oh no, yeah, they don't get to metal and kids. They say yeah. run. Instead. But there's there's just so much like self awareness in the franchise at mm. this point that like really the further we get away from it the less our chances of actually hearing it. I'm guessing we'll hear it in almost all future episodes of Be Cool. Either that or plays on it. Uh, th- that's it. I w- I would love to wrap up. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for joining us. Listen to the outro. It'll be long. Okay, so I I had just I had all of these bits just I had all I had these jokes pre written and. I just, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do any of them. I'm just, I'm so excited to get into the outro. I want to hear at least one of these bits. I feel like, can you tell me now? No, 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 no. I just, I just don't want to wait. I just don't want to waste You want to keep the momentum going? Oh, you're going to use them later? I want, I want to hear your fresh, because it's just going to get such a huge reaction out of you (laughs) that I I want to, I want to save these, these, these bits, these gems for, for another time. I'm not going to be able to come back from those gems and then go into shilling our product and our other, uh, our other venues. No, please save those. You're right. I'm not going to be able to handle them and still talk about Patreon and iTunes and Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. And, and now that you've said uh, Patreon, Twitter, iTunes and stuff, that's it. This is, this is the end of the podcast. Tune in again next week. That's it for Scooby Dudes. <laughs> what, do you want a more in-depth pitch on any of those? You think that wasn't enticing enough? I think people will figure it out. Are you? Don't don't patronize them. Ooh. Well, if you figured it out, you can stop listening now. Dum dums, keep listening a little bit longer. We'll lay it out there for you, and tell you what it is you can find on Patreon and where exactly you have to go on Facebook and Twitter. We should actually explain because we're not Scooby Dudes on Twitter. To, to that point, we are the Scooby Dudes on Twitter at the Scooby Dudes. And, uh, and at Facebook, we are ScoobyDudes.com. No, we are just ScoobyDudes on Facebook. Don't do .com. Uh, as, as for our Patreon, Patreon is what, is what helps Ooh. us keep this podcast afloat. Is that a good way of putting it? Yeah. I mean, Evan, you can see how well lit I am. And that's because these lights are on. 
And the reason these lights are on is because our donors it's, keep our it's lights. It's so on. dim there. Yes. You're in such a dimly lit room. Yeah, it's because I, I use I use dimmers. I keep them all in the lowest setting to counteract the fact that my room is about the size of a warehouse, and I keep all the lights on at once. And how do I keep these lights on, dear listeners? I do it by uh, by. Uh, shilling our product here and then taking m- money out of PayPal, which gets to us via Patreon. Yeah, we do have a number of people who uh, who donate to us uh, every month. And those donations help go towards uh, paying for hosting for both the podcast, for the website itself, and also to pay our incredible artists. It's true. Everything goes back into the podcast. Uh, our artist this week, uh, just the same as last week, that'd be Jason Lum. He Ooh. is an animator out of uh, who works out of Vancouver, BC. Th- that first title card was off the hook. And this second one, it, I mean, he does amazing work. It, it'll speak for itself. Just go check it out. The second one, have you, you've seen it, right? With the puppets? I actually haven't seen the second one yet. It's basically it... all, of, all of the gang mm-hmm. as like their little puppets. But oh, then my... the ghost of Elias Kingston as a puppet as well. Oh my gosh. That is... It's, it's really good. He's, he's such a talent. I, I feel so blessed to have the artists that we have on Patreon, on, uh, on our project. He's also a phenomenal dancer. Really? Yeah, he actually is. I think he's too talented. I'm aware of more talent in him than I want to be already. If you wanted to be one of these people who uh, makes sure that, uh, that we have a little bit of an easier time paying for the podcast, keeping it going, and, and paying our artists... Um, yeah, just head over to patreon.com slash scoobydudes, and along with bonus content that we'll update it with, uh, either audio or, or visual, there's there's another special weekly uh, tidbit or, or prize. There, yeah, there's that first time tidbit. We'll shout you out the first time you donate to us. We'll give you a big shout out. We'll showcase your name. We'll compare you to Hitler. It's happened before. You'll love it. And then we'll shout you out every week after that. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? I... <laughs> You know what? It's the Hitler jokes that we've been making. <laughs> About our buddy Mikey? The, the, the climate has changed so uh, much. In the space of a week. Since the last time we made them. It really turned on a dime. Hitler was cool a week ago. Hang on, is that what we're saying? <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's changed. Can we, can we be really brave? Can we be sort of like podcast, like Scooby podcast heroes right now? Well, dude. I don't know if we want to be this risky, man. Do we want to take sides like this? <laughs> Do you remember our episode, um, A Night of Fright is No Delight, well, in we which that? we lambasted the South as a whole? <laughs> yeah. I guess we've picked a side, and it's the North. Um, <laughs> we'll shout you out, and we won't associate you with Nazis. And we'll do it the first time. In fact, we'll shout you out every single week if you donate to us on Patreon. So, uh, here's that, really quickly. Not only do we proclaim all of these people as being good people, as being nice people, as being the best people, Mm. we we would also like to proclaim that none of these people are fascists. Ooh, I don't... (laughs) That's putting us in a tough spot. That none of these people are white nationalists. So how about that? Give us money if you're not a white nationalist. We have no screening process for our Patreon, dude. We don't know who's in there. Oh, boy. Uh, but if you're a white nationalist and you want to be identified as not one, maybe donate to us, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. If, if, oh, that's all it takes. Donate and then go rally. If you were, if you were at a particular rally and you're <laughs> worried about your, uh, your, your employability being at stake, Ooh. Just, just direct your employers over to uh, 
to the outro of the Scooby-Doo's podcast. Yeah, sure and they will hear us say on air, blank, blank, and blank is not a white nationalist. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Too brave? Are we being too brave I right now? I don't know. I'm Are we so taking too lost. much of a stand? <laughs> Luke, you're, you're sweating bullets right now. Dabbing it off of my bald head. Your shirt is so my damp. Uncom- my uncomfortably bald head. Dude. Okay, I am not going to lie. I'm going to update the website mm. and all of our stuff, but I didn't want to do it right after this past weekend. I, sh- I didn't want, like, oh, man. half the imagery of Scooby Dudes, like, as a brand to look like it was one half Asian, one half skinhead. I, I, I don't even... I think it's pretty clear where our opinions lie on the issues of the last week, and I'm kind of glad that we're addressing it. But man, this was a bad time to choose to shave my head. Like right before this, I should have should have Google searched skinheads or something and upcoming events and planned out my calendar for when <laughs> I decided to join that look. Oh, okay. So, um, in summary, donate to us on Patreon. Yes, we have no love for white nationalists. That's true. No sympathy for their ideals. Please also um, visit us on Facebook. We don't like Nazis. Um, also, again, uh, Twitter, we are not anti-Semites. Um, <laughs> not a bit. If you rate us five stars on iTunes, that will be your way of agreeing with us that we are not members of the KKK. Uh, and lastly, if you want to shoot us an email, that's scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, and there, you know, like, let your racist flag fly. Our Gmail has no <laughs> restrictions on it. Uh, Just go nuts. Do you, do you remember how we were joking that one time about how, like, we might be, like, brigaded or, like, uh, dosed by, like, our incels. <laughs> and this is basically the same thing? Is that what you're saying? Do you think... Can you just imagine... Again, it's one of those things where if if the alt-right ever found out about Scooby-Doo's and decided to, like, persecute us, it would only be good for our podcast? Even, I feel like... I, we'd be doing good work defending Scooby-Doo against that crowd. Granted, next week we'll, <laughs> we'll touch on some challenging stuff. It's such a... Again, the timing Ooh. is so inopportune, yet also strangely opportune. Strangely very timely. Um, oh man, let's, let's not go further into these issues than we already have, except to note, I shouldn't have said let your racist flag fly, I should have said confederate flag. That was the way I should have phrased that. You're, you're, I, what's the difference? You're, just, you're, you're saying the same thing twice. Oh, man. Anything else we need to mention about our podcast? Uh, literally, we, we did, covered everything in record time, and then we just, like, really went in. We, like, and went then, in on, like, the alt-right. I think not only have I been wanting to, like, talk with you about that stuff, I've almost been wanting to go on air with some of that stuff. So, okay. Are we good? Yeah, you know what? After we're done recording, I'm just going to tweet. I'm just going to, like, send a tweet. Just, like, just want to be on the record. Like, Scooby Dudes does not... Why... Here's the thing. Why did it take us so long? (laughs) To make a determination. It took us longer than three days. Luke, we're worse than the president. It's true. For those three days, we affirmed everything. It says right in our Scooby Dudes website, anything we don't comment on, we affirm. Uh, We really want to apologize for that. Um... And we have no further excuse because we have a crack team 
of, uh, of media experts who are giving us minute-by-minute -minute updates on anything breaking headlines, as well as the fact that we held that press conference and reporters asked us, asked us twice, stopping us in our tracks to comment on it, which was really just un unforgivable. I just want to keep calling us brave. I don't want to call us... I don't want to call us heroes, <laughs> but I just want to talk about how brave we are. I thought you were are. going to counteract brave with something bad. Uh, that's it. I, like, we, we, can, we could have ended at Ooh. any point. We can end right now.